We, have, we are thrilled. <clears throat> the last time we were here was 29 years ago. And uh, Pastor Chandler, Curtis Hudson's son-in-law, was pastoring uh, North Gainesville Baptist Church, and you were in a school. And uh, that was a long time ago, and I just praise the Lord. I was talking to your pastor, and my wife and I were talking about, about that last night. <clears throat> a lot of times when you have a regime change, is what I like to call it, a new pastor comes in, first thing they do is look at missions. And they try to tweak the missions according to the way they see fit, and, that, and oftentimes support is lost <clears throat> on certain, <clears throat> excuse me, certain missionaries. This church has kept supporting us through all the through the all the different pastors who have come through, and I say praise the Lord for that. Amen. We have a list at home, and we pray for the pastors, and it's three sheets, <clears throat> and we pray, we break that down. And so uh, we pray one of those sheets of the, of the pastors that support us every night. So you're, this church gets prayed for at least once or twice every single week, and we praise the Lord that we have the opportunity um, to do that. And so now we, we moved to the field, <coughs> excuse me, in 1997. Uh, we were younger, our skin was tighter, and all that was great. <laughs> but, <laughs> Actually, actually, I went, I went to the field. I was 40 years old when I went to the field. I was in the military before that. The Lord saved me. I got out of the military and went to university or, or college in the States University in, uh, in Canada and, uh, <clears throat> and then graduated and went on, on deputation. We actually went, went to the field when I was age 40. And so just to encourage you, God can use you at any age. God can use you and you just yield to him and let him work in your life. So we moved there, and in, in uh, 1997, then we started the Mississauga International Baptist Church, which is now Legacy Baptist Church. And uh, praise the Lord for that with uh, Pastor Brian Thiessen. And uh, 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 two years later, then I moved on. He kept the church. I moved on, and we started another church in uh, 2000, uh, I believe it was 2001, in, uh, pardon? In 1999. How many have a wife that knows everything? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm glad I do. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes when I'm singing or when I'm talking, she'll be going. And I'll say, yep, I, that's right. Because <laughs> you can read your wife's lips. You know what they're saying, right? <laughs> All right. And so we started the uh, Crossroads Baptist Church in uh, uh, Cornerstone Baptist Church in uh, 1999. And then shortly thereafter, we left that church. And then in 2001, that was when the Twin Towers were hit, we started the Brampton International Baptist Church, and we were in that church. Uh, we had a young man helping us. We thought we were going to turn that church over to that young man. And he said no. He said God's calling him to Timmins, which is uh, six hours north of us. And um, so we went up to Timmins and helped them plant that church. And you think, it, it, by the way, we brought a little bit of that cold this morning. Did you feel it? Yeah. it we brought it in with our van. <laughs> but it's 21 degrees at home right now. Up in Timmins, it's 51, or 51 below up in Timmins. So there's a lot of cold up there. But he went up there. And, and the wonderful thing is he started the Crossroads Baptist Church up there. And, um, and they, they were just meeting in a hotel room. And uh, he called me and he said, hey, we got a church available for us up here. And all they want is a dollar for it. 
Well, back then the exchange rate was such that it was only 79 cents US. I said, I'll pay for it and it'll be less than a dollar. <laughs> so they got that church and they started that church up there in Timmins. And then, and then after that, um, we turned our church over to a young man uh, named Mark Alcock. He took the uh, Branton International Baptist Church and uh, we moved on to Trenton, Ontario and uh, started that church. Let me, let me stop here and say this. We didn't do anything. Because the Bible says, the Lord says, without me, ye can do nothing. And so we're just trusting the Lord through it all. And there's been some, some pitfalls, some struggles and stuff, but God sees you through everything. And so we're praising the Lord that we were able to do that. We, <clears throat> we went to uh, Trenton, Ontario, and that is right next to CFB Trenton, which is Canadian Forces Base Trenton. It was an Air Force base. And so we were able to, to plant that church there and turn that over to a young man and uh, praise the Lord. <clears throat> we had, we, when we were in Brampton, the Lord blessed us in that we had some great givers. And so we had like $330, $350,000 in the bank. And so when, when the young man came in to take that church, he was able to buy a building and, 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 and move forward with that. Well, this next church in Trenton, we, we bought the building before he got there. And the problem with that was he ended up having to work and pastor a secular job and pastor, and because the church couldn't fully. But he said, Pastor Bruce, he said, the Lord has called me here, so I'm staying. Well, he called me a couple of weeks ago, and he says, praise God. He said, our church grew, and our church just voted this past week to fully support me, to let me fully be their pastor, and I'm quitting my job. I said, praise God for men who want to go in the pioneer status and just serve God and watch God move in their life. So we're thrilled about that. So we turned that church over to him, and you probably saw the prayer letters and all that on, on what happened there. And then, uh, and then we moved to Sarnia, Ontario, and we started the Graceway Baptist Church. So in Trenton, we started the Quinte Baptist Church. Well, in the, in the uh, language of the, the aboriginal people at that time, the word quinte means five, right? So it was actually five churches with the one that, that, the, that the man uh, planted up in Timmins. And then we moved to Sarnia, and we started the Graceway Baptist Church, and we used the word grace because that was the, the fifth church that the Lord allowed me to plant personally. And so I'm just thrilled. And if you see our logo, if you see the cups, we have a cup out there, and, and on the logo's on the cup there. <clears throat> and uh, by the way, there's some, um, some candy in there, individually wrapped candy, and it is maple syrup, maple leaf candy. All right, so if you young people go out there and grab one, you have to take a prayer card. If you don't, I'm coming after you. All right. <laughs> right. So you can take one of those, and, 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 and when service is over, we're going to open a, a box of that maple cookies out there, and you can eat some maple cookies and just let you know about Canada a little bit there. Um, so we started the Graceway Baptist Church, and the logo then is of the map of the bridge that crosses from Michigan to Sarnia, and that's what our logo is because it's the Graceway right going to the lord and so it really worked out well and uh and and we were struggling with that church we started that church in 20 at the end of 2018 going into 2019 and the lord blessed it we started with four people and at the end of 2019 we were up in the 40s god really blessed and we were seeing people saved and then covid right and covid hit us hard and we had to shut down <clears throat> for a couple of weeks. It was only a couple of weeks. Um, we were doing, you know, just like you did, Facebook messages. And, oh, brother, 
Can we hug? I mean, <laughs> thank you, man. I really need that. That's great. Amen. And so we got hit. We went from the 40s down to the teens. And that was a real struggle. But then after things began to loosen up, then, then uh, <clears throat> now we're back up in the high 40s, low 50s. And God is blessing us. We just had a couple of girls. We have a college there in, in Sarnia. And we had a couple of girls from Nepal come to our church. So we, we were able to see, lead them to the Lord. And they're saved now. We had another little girl. And you'll see that in the next prayer letter. Another little girl named Madison, she trusted Christ as her Savior. That's what it's all about, bringing people to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, then, and so that's where we're at now. We just covet your prayers that God would continue to use us there. And uh, right now we have a couple hundred thousand dollars in the bank, and, and our church is looking for a building and that kind of thing. But we're, <clears throat> we have to let, we, you have to be able to synchronize all this so you can get a pastor in, pay the pastor, and then uh, afford a building as well. And that's probably the hard part of, of church planting is making sure the young man that comes in or the old person that comes in and takes this church are able to survive uh, I understand there's an element of faith, but, but God wants us to be good stewards with what we have, and that's where we're at right now. So you pray that God will bring in the right man, and then, then we'll move on and plant another one. As long as the Lord lets me do that, that's what we plan, that's what we intend to do. So we've been there 26 years, and altogether the Lord's allowed us to plant six churches. All right, and so we haven't been lazy, and we haven't been been uh, uh, needlessly uh, uh, using what you have uh, so belovedly uh, given to us through support. And and I just want to thank you and praise the Lord for that. All right, and if you're ever up in Sarnia, brother, if you ever want to endanger your life from California, <laughs> California, I'll tell you what, that's a dangerous place already. <laughs> and come to Canada <clears throat> and face Trudeau. Then, uh, then you come on up and you can preach for us as well, okay? Oh, man. Just to let you know what's going on in Canada, during COVID, they arrested several pastors in Canada for preaching the Word of God, for keeping their churches open. And, uh, and they have been since released from prison. And uh, just this past week, um, I believe, it was in Parliament that, that the, um, the issue of, of uh, digital ID has been passed. And so everybody will be required to have digital ID, and they're already starting to, uh, to uh, uh, format the Walmart so that if you go to the freezer section, you have to show your ID to open the door to get your milk and, and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, they're working fast to get that, and that's, that's so they can control your footprint like they do in China right now. So <clears throat> that's a big thing for us over there. So you pray about us as we transition through all of that, right? And, uh, and we need that, okay? So praise the Lord for that. But we're glad the Lord has us where we are, all right? So I want to ask you a question tonight. We, we are, I'm going to preach a message, and it's called The Colors of Missions, right? I learned about this many, many years ago from my pastor, uh, Roy Grigsby, in uh, Rhineland Baptist Church in Kinsbach, West Germany. We were stationed there. My wife and I were both in the military, and... Uh, and so that's what I want to preach tonight to you, the color of missions. How many know what the color of missions is? 
color of ministry. You, we all know what the color of the gospel is, right? My heart was dark with sin until my Savior came in, right? And we, so we know it's, it's black, and then it's, our heart is black with sin, and then the Lord cleans it, makes it white as snow through the blood of Jesus Christ, so black, white, red. And then we know that we have heaven, so you have the gold pages on the wordless book, and then the cover is the green. So we know what the colors of the gospel is, right? But what's the color of missions? There is a color of missions. And the last church we planted in Trenton, Ontario, the logo is the color of missions. So I want to share that with you tonight. And hopefully, and my goal tonight is this, to encourage you toward missions. Number two, and if you're not saved, my goal tonight is so you hear the gospel, so you'll trust Christ as your Savior. That's what I'm here to do. I want to point you out. Or I want the Holy Spirit to point you out and bring you to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Okay? And that's what the Colors of Missions is going to do tonight. So take your Bibles, if you will. And turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. So this book, this, this book that we hold in our hands is a, is a wonderful book. It's a book of promise. And all the way from Genesis, uh, even up to this day and age, that book of promise is being attacked today. And that, the devil did that in the beginning when he said, Yea, hath God said. Right? So he tried to, trying to attack that book today. You know Why? Because this points to God's plan of salvation. That's what it points to today. So Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to begin reading in verse 5. <clears throat> and the Bible says this, Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not. But a body hast thou prepared me, and burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. So Jesus came to do the will of God. Above when he said, sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldest not. Neither hast pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Isn't that great? Once for all our sins are paid for. Now look what it says verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh. Now if you're in the habit of marking in your Bible, underline that word veil. We're going to look at that today, the veil that is his flesh. So take your Bible, go all the way back to Exodus chapter 26. Exodus chapter 26. <clears throat> the tabernacle in the Old Testament is the most important structure in the Bible. And then it moves into the temple of God. Every aspect of the tabernacle points to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a, a Bible picture of Christ and what Christ is going to do and what Christ has done for us already. All right. The word tabernacle means dwelling place. Let me just stop here and say this. If you're saved today, you are dwelling in Christ Jesus. Or you should be dwelling in the Lord Jesus Christ today. 
That should be our stay. So there were ten curtains in that tabernacle. Let me read what it says in, uh, in verses 1 through 6. He says, Moreover, thou shalt make the tabernacle with ten curtains of fine twine linen, and blue and purple and scarlet, with cherubims of cunning work, thou shalt, or shalt thou make them. And then he explains the length and how they're supposed to be. So there were going to be two curtains. There were going to be uh, five, uh, two curtains, uh, five sections each, and they were going to be held together, okay? This is the curtain of the tabernacle, right? Now, remember, we're talking about the veil of the flesh of the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? So there were, there were ten curtains, five coupled together, and, and then each of those coupled together with tatches or, or rings of gold. These curtains were, listen... Fine twine linen, that's white, blue, purple, and scarlet. That, my friend, is the color of missions. I'm going to prove that to you tonight, right? In verse 7, it says you had, about the black and goat's hair and ram skins dyed red and the badger skin. That's all necessary, but we're going to talk about the veil that is to say his flesh. Without those colors... The blue or the white and the blue and the purple and the scarlet, without those colors, you don't have a tabernacle because that's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. Those colors bear an important message to the children of Israel and to us today. Those wonderful colors, right? Those colors signify what God was going to do with his people. And if you're saved today, what God, is going, what God has done for you and what God is going to do to those who are saved today, right? The Bible says that thou shalt make a veil of blue and purple. So now we're talking about, we talked about the curtain. Now we're talking about the veil. And scarlet and fine twine linen of cunning work of cherubims shall it be made. In verse 31, and thou shalt hang it upon four pillars of shittim wood overlaid with gold. Their hooks shall be of gold <clears throat> upon the four pillars. And thou shalt hang on the veil under the tatches. And thou mayest bring thither in the veil of the ark of the testimony. And the veil shall divide uh, unto you between the holy place and the most holy place, and thou shalt put the mercy seat. The mercy seat, the bema seat, is where God was, where God spoke with Moses face to face. Right? So every time Moses went through the curtain and every time he went around the veil, he was looking at those colors. He was seeing those colors. Take your Bibles, if you will, and, uh, and turn to... Uh, to Exodus chapter, uh, uh, chapter uh, excuse me, Luke chapter 26. Luke chapter 26. <clears throat> Thank you for that water, brother. That was wonderful. All right, Luke chapter 26. I'll get there as soon as I can. Luke chapter 26. <clears throat> I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 26, verse 31 through 35. And 31, the Bible says, that in verse 35, the Bible says, And thou shalt set the tabernacle or the table without the veil, and the candlestick over against the table on the side of the tabernacle toward the south, and thou shalt put the table on the north side. So as you look at the tabernacle, you see you have the curtain, you go inside, and then you see the table of showbread, you see the lampstand, you see the altar of incense, and all that is there, and behind that then is is the, the veil, and behind that then is the Ark of the Covenant where God was. Okay, so we got a, a good picture of that. And so we have the veil, which is the same color as those curtains, as it was, and there's a reason for that. In verse 31, it says it's blue and purple and scarlet fine twine linen, and they were to be on four pillars of wood overlaid with gold and set in four sockets 
of silver. Four pillars of wood overlaid with gold signifies, the wood signifies humanity, and the gold signifies the deity of God. It's a picture of the incarnation of Christ. God made himself a little lower of the angels so he could come and die on the cross for your sins or for my sins. This was, I don't know if they knew this back then, but we have the privilege of seeing this in the scripture, that we have the wood and we have the gold that is covering the wood. They were set in sockets of silver, and silver always pictures redemption. The redemption of the Lord Jesus Christ. What are, by the way, what, what color was the redemption money? 30 pieces of silver money that betrayed the Lord Jesus, right? It all fits together. It, 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 it equals humanity with the de deity of God, which is, which is the, if you if you're study the Bible, hypostatic union, right? We learned that in college. Wow, what a big word, right? And, and God the man, Christ Jesus, came to this earth. The silver is a redemption of what Jesus has done for us. He came to redeem us. Now look what it says in Exodus chapter 26, verse 36. The Bible says, verse 36, And thou shalt make an hanging for the door of the tent of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twine linen wrought with needlework, and thou shalt make for the hanging five pillars of shittim wood, and overlay them with gold, and their hooks shall be of gold, and thou shalt cast five sockets of brass for them. Okay, so now they're making the curtain in the front, and we know that the veil is five, five pillars of wood on silver, and then you have the curtain, which is five pillars of wood on brass. What does brass signify? Judgment, right? The judgment of God. Now, I want to say this before we go on. You cannot be saved unless you go through the judgment first. You have to realize you're a sinner. You have to realize you need the Lord Jesus Christ and trust in his dying on the cross for you. That's your judgment. You have to go through judgment before you can have redemption. That's just the way God laid it out. You have to be able to do that. So where is this hanging? It is the door of the tabernacle. So here you have the blue and the purple and the fine twine linen, those colors again, and they are set on wood covered with gold and sockets of brass, picturing judgment, and you have to, you have, to have judgment before, before redemption. And as you walk in the tabernacle then, you see the first curtain, blue and purple and scarlet and fine twine linen, set in sockets of brass. When you step in, you look up and you see the veil, blue and purple and scarlet and fine twine linen set in sockets of silver, a picture of the redemption of Christ. You see that veil. And why? Why is that veil there? Why is all that set up? Set up for you. Everybody here, it's set up for you. God set all that up so that the world could see there was a purpose. Just as he talked to Abraham in Genesis 15, I believe it was, Abraham, he went out and he said, number the stars, set the stars in order. Mathematically, the stars showeth the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God's been doing this ever since creation when they made the tabernacle, which was a picture of the true tabernacle. It was about the Lord. Everything's about the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything is about the Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 16, And for the gate of the court shall be an hanging of 20 cubits of blue, purple, scarlet, fine twine linen, wrought with needlework, and all their pillars shall be four and their sockets four. As you look at the tabernacle in the courtyard entrance, you see blue and scarlet, blue and purple and scarlet and fine twine linen. All around the courtyard, you have, you have fine twine linen, that linen fence all the way around the courtyard, signifying, signifying the, the purity of that tabernacle. Jesus Christ was pure. There was no sin in him. 
And you walk into the courtyard, and then you see the brazen altar, and then you walk past it. By the way, when you go into the courtyard, you have the curtains in the front, blue and purple and scarlet and fine twine linen. And you walk into the courtyard, then you see the brazen altar, and then you see the brazen labor, and then you go to the tabernacle, and you see that curtain. You walk inside, and you see that curtain, and you're like, wow, all these colors, blue and purple and scarlet and fine twine linen, all picturing the Lord Jesus Christ. Anytime you see those colors, anytime you see that wood overlaid with gold, judgment ought to come into your mind. And the Lord Jesus Christ came to this earth to bring you redemption, to bring us to the Father. And the Bible teaches us in Hebrews, the veil that is to say his flesh. Did you underline that word veil? I don't know if the Jews understood what they had, but we do today, and I'm glad for that. When the temple was built, they set it up, or the, the, the temple was built, they set it up just like the tabernacle. So they had the curtains that went in the courtyard, and the curtain that went into the tabernacle, and the curtain from the, into, that divided the holy place from the holy of holies, all the same color, blue and purple and scarlet and fine twine linen, right? All that's introduction. <laughs> Take your Bible now and turn to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. This is only a four-hour message, so we'll be good. <laughs> Amen. Luke chapter 23. And look what the Bible says in verse 1. And the whole multitude of them arose and led him, talking about Jesus, to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ, a king. And Pilate asked him, saying, Art thou king of the Jews? And he answered and said unto him, Thou sayest it. And said, Thou sayest it. Then said Pilate to the chief priests and to the people, I find no fault in this man. And they were the more fierce, saying, He stirreth up the people, teaching throughout all Jewry, beginning from Galilee to this place. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether the man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself also was at Jerusalem at that time. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad. And he was desirous to see him of a long season because he had heard many things of him and he had hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. Then he questioned with him in many words, but he answered him nothing. Our Lord was quiet like a lamb to the slaughter. And the chief priests and the scribes stood and vehemently accused him. We'll see why in a minute. And Herod, with his men of war, set him at naught and mocked him and arrayed him. Look at this in a gorgeous robe and sent him again to Pilate. The Bible says they beat him and they mocked him and they put him in a gorgeous robe. If you read through the scriptures, you'll find out that that gorgeous robe has a very important significance to it, right? Jesus was arrested. They took him before the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin condemned him illegally. They took him to Pilate, and Pilate didn't want the responsibility. You know, politics are tricky today, right? <laughs> didn't want that. But, and he, they, he did, really, I don't think he wanted to be the governor. But when he found out that Jesus was a Galilean, he sent him to Herod, 
right? And Herod wanted to see him. And listen, they, they adorned him in a gorgeous robe. In Acts chapter 10, verse 30, the word bright is there. That's the same word in the Greek. In Revelation chapter 19 and verse 8, it is called fine linen, clean and white. The gorgeous robe that Herod, and it was Herod's color, was white. The fine twine linen. He didn't know it, but he was fulfilling the word of God. The first robe on the Lord Jesus Christ was white. The fine twine linen. Everything weaves together. Everything God has said weaves together. And you have to be able to discover that through the study of God's word. And as he was beaten and as he, he was mocked, he put that robe on and then that, the, that blood began to seep through. And, and the red become to come through that robe. And I want to tell you something. That's a beautiful picture of when the Lord comes back. King of kings and Lord of lords. And on his vesture a name written and it was dipped in blood. My friend, everything, everything blends together in the scriptures. Everything blends together. Herod's robe was white, and they adorned Jesus in the white robe because Pilate told him he says he's a king. <laughs> Herod mocked him, and they sent him back to Pilate and made friends in that day. And Pilate thought he had sent him a gift, and so now they think they're friends. Now take your Bible and turn to John chapter 18. John chapter 18. Look what it says, verse 38 of John chapter 18. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and saith unto them, I find no fault uh, at all in him. I find in him no fault at all. And ye have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldier plaited a crown of thorn and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. So they took that robe off, the white robe, off the Lord Jesus, and every time they, they, they put a robe on him, before they put a robe on him, they scourged him. They put the robe on him. That blood began to coagulate. They tear the robe off him and put a new one on him again. It was white and it was purple. You see how all this is beginning to fit together? Jesus fulfilled the volume of the book, every word of God, so that you could be saved today. It's amazing what they had done. They gave him a purple robe and mocked him again. And Jesus, listen, he could have quit at any time. But I want to tell you something. The Bible teaches us in Hebrews chapter 12, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. The joy that was set before him was you. Every time a person gets saved, every time the Lord, the Bible says that there is rejoicing in the presence of angels. Well, who's in the presence of angels? It's saints and God. There's a rejoicing in heaven. Everybody that gets saved, there's a rejoicing in heaven because they recognize the truth, and that's Jesus Christ. Take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. Matthew 
<clears throat> the Bible teaches us in Matthew chapter 27, verse 28, Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him a whole band of soldiers, and they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. A scarlet robe. So now you have the, you have the white robe. You have the purple robe. You have the scarlet robe. And they put all that upon the Lord Jesus Christ. He was given a scarlet robe. And the Bible says in verse 29, three times beaten, three times mocked, and, he was, and it was all, listen to this, it was all pre-redemption. It was before he went to the cross. And he shed his blood on the cross. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. That was before he went to the cross. Sometimes I wonder if, if Christians give up too early. The Lord Jesus Christ set his face like a flint and went to the cross. And even though he was beaten and even though he was mocked and even though he was bruised and even though he wore all these colors, he knew it was the will of God. He did all that for you. So we have the white, we have the purple, and we have the scarlet. In verses of Hebrew it says, the veil that is to say his flesh. The veil that is to say his flesh. Each color signifies something. What color do you think the robe of Jesus, is, Jesus wore? The Bible doesn't say, but I believe it was blue. And I believe every time those Sanhedrin, and every time those, those Sadducees and those scribes and those Pharisees, all part of the Sanhedrin, every time they saw Jesus Christ in that blue robe, every time they saw him, they're like, who does he think he is? That's why when Pilate asked him, they vehemently, the Bible says, they vehemently accused him because they saw he was wearing the blue. That was the, the, the outfit. That was the, the robe that the, that the soldiers uh, uh, gave money for. They gambled for that one piece. I believe it was blue. I believe every time they saw that blue, every single time, they said, who does he think he is? thinking he's a priest of God. Oh, he was a priest of God. Even at age 12 years old, he was confounding those people. They didn't know the truth. They never realized he was a priest after the order of Melchizedek, not the order of the Levitical priesthood. In Exodus chapter 28, verse 31, the Bible says this, And thou shalt make the robe of the ephod of all blue. All blue. And there shall be an hole in the top of it, in the midst thereof. That's where you poke your head through, right? And it shall have a binding of woven work all around the hole of it. So it's going to be woven, as it were, a hole of an habergen, that it be not rent. That means you shouldn't, you cannot tear that. And what did Caiaphas do when he, they accused Jesus of being, of, being, of being God, of being Christ? He grabbed that habergen and he tore it open. And by that, the priesthood ceased. If you're going to a church today where there's a priest, you're in the wrong church. <laughs> the Bible teaches that there's no more priesthood. Not until the Lord returns. Not until, until that tabernacle is set up at the end, right? So Jesus faced his accusers as the son of God. He had all the colors, the, 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 the white, the, the purple, the blue, the red, the fine twine linen, all the colors of the tabernacle were adorned on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Everything about him was a picture, was pictured in that tabernacle. And everybody saw it from that time, even until this day. What a blessing that is. White pictures righteousness without sin, purity. And our Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross sinless. And all we like sheep have gone astray, and God hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. That's the only way it could happen. All your sins were laid on him from the beginning of time to the end of time. All your sins were laid upon him. Purple is for a king. It's royalty. Jesus is the only one and true king this earth will ever have. And when he comes back, set up his millennial reign. And I hope that, that you're saved and that, and that the Lord Jesus Christ uh, has, will rapture you and take you to heaven. You're going to come back with him. You may have to do a little horse training, but you can come back with the Lord Jesus Christ. Set up that millennial reign. I don't think we're going to have to do any fighting. I think he's just going to, by the word of his mouth, I think that's what Revelation says, verse chapter 19, by the word of his mouth, he's going to destroy everyone. We're going to be sitting on the horse going, hey, get him. God will do that. Glory, glory, glory. Holy, holy, holy to God. Scarlet means Jesus is our sin bearer. He's our sin bearer. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. He took the scarlet that he would be as that we could be as white as snow, so we could be pure in the eyes of the Lord. That's the colors of missions tonight. Fine twine linen, the purple, the red, and the blue. Whenever you read through those books, then that, that ought to give you an understanding of what the Lord is doing in your life. Blue is the heavenly portion, the Son of God from heaven. And really, that knocks out all false religions today. Because it's all about the Lord Jesus Christ and Him only. The veil that is to say His flesh, the veil that is to say His flesh, the blue, the purple, the scarlet, and the fine twine linen, these are the colors of missions. And the mission was a mission. Your soul. Right? There is a war right now for your soul. And the end of that war will determine where your soul will be. And I hope that you have placed your faith and trust in Christ. That's what it's all about. What Adam lost, the second Adam gained back. Remember the hangings over the gate? It's blue and purple and scarlet and sockets of brass. As you walk past the brazen altar and the brazen laver, you see the door of the tabernacle in blue and purple and scarlet and white pillars sets in sockets of brass, judgment, judgment at the gate, judgment at the, at the tabernacle. And then you see the curtains of blue and purple and scarlet and white. And then you look at the veil and you see the blue and purple and scarlet and white on wood overlaid with gold set in sockets of silver. Five pillars. The law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Second, the four pillars of redemption, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Law judges, but grace saves. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And he told you about that gift since the beginning. 
And Jesus cried with a loud voice, the Bible says, and gave up the ghost, and the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And when the centurion, which stood over against him, saw that, he so cried out and gave, and gave up the ghost. He said, truly this man was the Son of God. Jesus was the Son of God, and when he, when he cried out, the veil was rent from top to bottom. Jesus cried, the veil, the Bible says, the veil that is to say his flesh was rent for you, and God signified it when he rent the veil from the top to the bottom. He said, now the way is open for you to go to the Holy of Holies to meet God so that you can go to the throne of grace and pray to the Lord anytime you want to. We have a great God who has showed us everything. He prophesied it. He showed it, showed it to us. The Bible says about the Lord, thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness and thy law is truth. When you read these scriptures and you begin to see this, you say, wow, what a blessing that is. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, take your Bible and turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, I'm nearly done. I don't want to be. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13, the Bible says, But now Christ Jesus, now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometime afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace, who hath made both one and broken down the middle wall of partition between us. When that veil was rent, that middle wall of partition was taken out. And having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in the ordinance, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both to God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace unto you. <laughs> if you're saved today, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you have a peace in your heart that passes all understanding. You know that when, when things are over in this world, and, and, that, and even Paul said we are like, like uh, sheep to the slaughter. When all that is done, you understand that Jesus Christ is still king, and, and we live in heaven for eternity with him. All on the veil, that is to say, is flesh. The blue, the purple, the scarlet, and fine twine linen. The Bible says this in a very simple verse, and I hope it makes clear understanding to you now. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You can't get to the Lord unless you go through the veil that is to say his flesh. You cannot do it. The only way to be saved is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope today that if you're not saved, that today you'll trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Everything was set up so you could see it. Everything was there so you could be saved. Would you know it? Would you take knowledge of that? Would you have the understanding today? The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 19. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiness, holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart. Full of assurance, having uh, full of assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Enter into that veil; it's yours to do. You can go to the throne of grace. 
and cry, Abba, Father, because Jesus Christ now has died on the cross and paid for your sins. When you trust him as your Savior, you can go right into the Holy of Holies and talk with the Lord. I hope today that you have placed your faith and trust in Christ. And I hope today that you see how, how much we have in the Lord. And we can boldly go to the Lord anytime we want to because he made it possible for us. He did that. With every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around. Maybe tonight you might say, Pastor Cook, I see the truth now. I see that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. I see that God planned it out for everybody to see. I see that that's the only way. But I have never placed my faith and trust in Christ. And if I died right now, I don't know that I would go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Simply show me your hand. You just stick it up a little bit. Just show me your hand. Nobody looking around. Just me and the Lord. Just put your hand up and say, Pastor, I don't know if I'm saved. Would you pray for me? I'll pray for you. Because I won't point you out. I won't, I won't bring you up front. I won't do anything. I'll just pray for you because I love you. Anybody like that? And then you might say, Pastor Cook, I am a Christian. And I realize now how much that God has given me. I just ask that you pray for me that I'll live for the Lord just like he lived for me and died for me. Anybody like that tonight? Oh, bless your heart all over the place. Heavenly Father, move in a mighty way, Lord. If there's someone here that's not saved, and maybe they got a lump in their, in their throat and a tightness in their chest, and they know. Lord, would you convict them? Would you allow them to trust you? Trust Jesus before it's too late. Please have your way in this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor. Let's stand at our feet this evening. As God has spoken to your heart, as the music plays, if you're here tonight, you don't know Christ as your Savior, we'd love to show you how. You've heard it already. Maybe some other area in your life that God has spoken to you about. Service, surrender. Some other area that God's spoken to you about. Would you come? Wherever the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you about. Maybe it's something not even mentioned in the message, but the Holy Spirit has a way of speaking to us. And pointing out areas where we need to change, grow in our Christian life. Whatever the Lord is speaking to you about tonight, would you say yes to him? Would you be obedient and do the will of God tonight? encourage you tonight if the Lord leads you to give towards this ministry all of you who have been involved in faith promise thank God we get we have seen six churches planted in Canada another church planted in California how how that all come about because God called men and women 
And God used local churches all over America to give money so these churches could be established because boys and girls and men and women could be saved. And all the glory goes to Jesus Christ. So I hope you will continue that. That's why we have faith promise at North Gainesville Baptist Church. I'm so glad that we get to give. We don't have to give. We get to give tonight. And I hope you will give. Brother Clayton, would you close in a word of prayer?